Bless, O Lord, the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Our Lord, God and Savior, King of us all, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to Him be the glory. Forever, amen. So it was the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and brought the, taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a, number, a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed Him. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. This is the second Sunday of Baba, and in the passage that we just read, our Lord Jesus Christ is preaching a sermon to the multitude while he's sitting on a boat. He's sitting actually in St. Peter's boat. And after the people left, after he preached the sermon, he had sort of like a private message for Peter. He said to him, launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. If you notice in the Gospels, not just in this time, but in many, many times in the Gospels, our Lord Jesus Christ gives sermons to the general public that are full of very blessed teaching, but actually also has little private talks with the people that were close to Him, that were even more sort of helpful and, and, and precious. They were important truths that when He preached, He preached them to everyone. But the choicest things he sort of reserved for a few of the people. Many times he would give a parable and then he would address it to the entire crowd, but then he would only explain it to the disciples. And many things he did never said to the crowd at all because they were not going to be able to understand it. You know, sort of taking the same 
stance where, where uh, like in the gospel where it says that it is not good to give the pearls to the swine. And so he whispered those things sort of into the ears of the disciples. So this is the same kind of issue here, or the same events that are happening here with St. Peter. There was a sermon to the many first, and after the sermon that there's his word to St. Peter about launching out into the deep. Keep in mind, those of us that love God, I always need to look for a private peace, a private message within a public sermon. I should always wait for a word from Christ directed to me personally and not be satisfied or feel complete until I hear it. So then if the message that our Lord Jesus Christ gives to you is a command, like he addressed to St. Peter telling him to let down his nets, be careful that at once when I hear it, to obey. Don't be negligent of the voice of God in my own heart and my conscience. What was the intention of our Lord Jesus Christ in commanding St. Peter to put down his net? Was his intention for him to catch fish or was his intention to invite him to be a disciple? God's intention in his private, personal command to me is to bestow great blessing in me and in my life. Just like he did with St. Peter whose boat was filled with fish almost to the point of sinking. If you give heed, if you listen to that special private word from God to you, your boat will be full of fish which you otherwise might never have received. And more importantly, actually you will be a disciple of Christ. St. Peter, when he was commanded to launch out into the deep and to let down his nets for a catch, figured that according to his experience as a fisherman, it would be of very little use to do this. He and his friends had already been toiling all night. And even though they, and they had caught nothing, and it didn't seem sort of probable or likely that just because they would let down nets now that they would catch anything. However, because St. Peter felt that Christ was his master and his Lord, and that he didn't feel it was appropriate to sort of raise a question about the matter. He just stated the facts and then added cheerfully, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So he says, you know, we, we tried all night. We couldn't do anything. He doesn't even wait for an answer to, uh, from Christ. He doesn't wait for Christ to say, okay, well, if you say so, you're the expert. No, he, he, he gives him his reasoning. But he says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So nevertheless, at your word, seems to me like a good uh, place for us to, to sort of meditate today. The word of Christ to us should be the supreme rule of our life as Christians. The moment that we become Christians, we become His servants to obey His commandments. So it's essential then for us, first of all, to search the scriptures so that we know what is our Master's will. Because in the scripture, He has written to us His command in plain letters. And it is actually an act of disobedience in and of itself to neglect this search. By refusing to learn what the will of God is, the sin of ignorance becomes willful ill-ignorance. Because we don't use the means by which we could receive instruction. So when I say, I don't know what God wants for me, but I am negligent in searching the scriptures, my ignorance is willful. Every servant of Christ is bound 
to know what he or she is supposed to do. And then, when they know it, they should at once do it. So the calling of a Christian person is first to learn the will of God, and secondly, to do it. Once I learn, I have to strive to do it. I want to mention here a point of difficulty that some of us run into when attempting to achieve this. We may sometimes read the scripture and we say we have a hard time to understand it. We might see, for example, difficulties in theology. We feel like one truth in the Bible appears to be inconsistent maybe with the love of God. Or we sometimes wonder how certain events in the Bible can be consistent with His goodness or with His justice. In those cases, there's an important verse for us to keep in mind. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Meaning, it is not sufficient for you to tell God, Well, I tried to read your Bible, and I found it difficult, or I found it confusing, or I found it contradictory, due to my lack of understanding, and so I stopped. When I'm faced with difficulty, I should look to resources for answers. You have spiritual resources at an amount and quantity never seen in the history of the world. You could YouTube an Orthodox Bible study about basically any verse in the Bible in less than a second. You have priests, you have podcasts, you have books explaining the Bible. We need to dig and work. We have to have faith that our issue is due to our ignorance, not due to a failing in God or a failing in His Word. We should do actually the same thing when we're entangled in discussions with other people. Many people, especially younger people, find themselves in these discussions and they're unable to answer objections that are raised by people who oppose the Gospel. It's not likely, by the way, that those who are just sort of beginning to learn the divine truths should be able to overcome all of their opponents. So when a question stumps me, when I don't know the answer to something, I should say to myself, well, I can't answer that, but I believe that it can be answered. And now I thank God that I heard it and that it was asked, because it's taught me a place of ignorance about something that I can learn. That way I can seek it out. I will sit down, study God's Word, use the resources I have within the church to answer. And if I cannot answer it doesn't signify that there is no answer. Somebody can, and I should seek that out. There are many, many people who, in today's society, oppose the Word of God. They ask questions like, where in the Bible does it say premarital sex is wrong, or that abortion is sin? Why is it such a big deal if I swear? Why is it sin if I was born a man, but would like to become a woman? It would be one thing if they were just opposed to the Word of God. But actually they sometimes twist the Word of God in order to argue that it is God Himself who approves these things. That's why it's important for us to be deeply familiar with the Word of God and with tradition of the Fathers so that I can say with St. Peter, nevertheless, at your word I will drop the net. Sometimes we have to say, nevertheless, at your word when the command of Christ seems contrary to our own lived experience. Isn't that sort of the case with St. Peter? His own lived experience was, this is not going to work. Right? But he says, nevertheless, at your word. 
It would become a very dangerous thing actually if we were always to follow my own experience and to make my own experience the basis of theology. I should never say to myself, like I did such and such a thing and I know it was not right, but good came out of it. Therefore, I should be able to do the same thing again. Or I shouldn't say to myself, I did so and so a thing which I thought was right, but I suffered greatly because of it. And so therefore, I'm not going to do it again. This is actually against what St. Paul teaches us when he says that I should count this life as nothing, but that he needs to preach the gospel of Christ regardless. This is not what our fathers and our mothers and the martyrs and confessors taught us when they welcomed bad outcomes for doing the right thing. Whatever happens to us, our only course is to pursue the correct path, to avoid all that is wrong. So then we shouldn't just simply lean on our own past experience. But we're supposed to say to them, Nevertheless, however costly this duty might prove to be, at your command I will let down the net. Sometimes, over time, as we gain experience, people become very wise. Or that they think they become very wise. An old fisherman like St. Peter they start to think to themselves, well, you know, I think I know a thing or two about fishing. This is my career. Or maybe he could say to himself even, I know all that there is to know about fishing. Our Lord Jesus Christ interfered with St. Peter in St. Peter's own line of work, his area of expertise, and gave him a command about fishing. The fisherman could very well have said to him, what is the reason or what is the purpose that I would want to cast down my net? We've been fishing all night long and we've gotten nothing, what is the good of fishing anymore? But St. Peter didn't speak like this. Even though he may have thought like this. It's clear actually that he did think that way, because he said, nevertheless, at your word. And so when he's saying nevertheless, he's saying, you know far more about fish than I do, because you're the one who made them. And you can make them come wherever you will. And because you commanded it, you know, I wouldn't do it at anybody else's bidding. If someone else told me to cast down the net, I wasn't going to do it. But I will do it at yours, and I'm going to let down the net. So, tum- so sometimes, there might be something in God's Word, or some path of duty clearly indicated to me, which doesn't seem, in, 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 in the way of worldly judgment, doesn't seem to be very wise. But we're supposed to say, nevertheless, at your word. No other authority could make me do this. But your law is the supreme rule for my life and for my conduct. I will do whatever you tell me. This principle should prevail even when we have self-love that gets in the way. Sometimes the command of Christ runs completely contrary to what we ourselves would like to do. And obedience involves self-denial. Obedience threatens to take away from me things that I find pleasurable. And then very likely something within us says, don't obey. It's going to be really hard if you do. It's going to be really unpleasant if you do. My prayer is that when we have these thoughts come to our mind, that the Holy Spirit could work within us to do anything and everything that our Lord Jesus Christ commands, however harmful it may be to our flesh. We are not our own. 
So we shouldn't act as if we were. The mark of the blood of Christ is on us. We have been bought at a price. It's not right for us to make provision for the flesh or to be looking out for our ease or our comfort. It's our duty to do whatever our Lord Jesus Christ bids us to do and to take the consequences, whatever they might be. So each of us should say to ourselves, I know that it will cost me much. I know God that it's going to cost me much. But nevertheless, I will do whatever you command me. Sometimes actually there is more, even a more powerful opposition to the will of God. For example, when love of others would hinder us from obeying. If I do such and such a thing, which I know I ought to do, I would upset my parents, I would anger my co-workers, or I would look bad in front of my friends. If I carry out that command of Christ, my old friends who maybe have been very kind to me, very good to me, will all consider that I've gone crazy. They won't want to be with me anymore. They won't want to hang out with me anymore. I'll be alone. For those of us who are sensitive to the feelings of others, this kind of treatment can be very difficult. And there's a very strong temptation for us to say, well, now, how far really should I go in my religion and still be able to manage these and save these fond connections that I have? I don't want to set myself up in opposition to everybody else. Can't I somehow please God and please these people too? But if we are indeed truly Christians, the supreme rule of the will of God drives us to say, nevertheless, at your will, I will do whatever you command. I should say goodbye even to my most beloved if they stand in the way of Christ. Isn't Christ the one who said, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Everyone else, everything else must go that I can keep company with Christ. It sometimes happens that we have God's word pointing us to a certain direction, a certain course of action. But we don't follow it because of a lack of courage, like a faintness of heart. Do I ever feel scared or worried to do God's will? Worried about what it would mean to do what Christ asks of me? When we have those feelings, when we get those times, we know what Christ would have us to do, but we hesitate to do it. We feel like we couldn't do it. Not that we wouldn't do it, but really we actually feel like, I, there's no way I can do this. I'm too scared, I'm too worried. There is, in that case, a lack of courage, a lack of confidence. We're timid to put ourselves into the fray, into the battle. This is the time when the heart and the flesh fail. But we need to take strength in God and resolve to do what's right and let our weakness be whatever our weakness is and obey the command of Christ. When my heart is faint, when I feel afraid to do the will of God, I follow Him anyhow. When I feel like even I might die at my next step continuing to do these things, I still keep close behind Him. And even when our souls are in despair, I hold on to Him and I, and I keep close to His feet. Listen to what Isaiah says. He says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of His servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? 
let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. That way then we can say with David the psalmist, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So you can see there are always going to be obstacles in front of us to do sort of what St. Peter did. Whether the obstacle be our own pride, whether the obstacle be what people may think, what, whether our obstacle might be our own fears. But each one of us has to think within ourselves, what has God been telling me to do? What has He been telling me to remove from my life? What has He been telling me to gain spiritually in my life as a virtue? And to say to God, nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down the net. I will do whatever is commanded. That should be my supreme rule for, and guide for all my actions. May God give us the courage to continue and to say, nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down the net. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.